0: Chapter Ten of Fuel of Fire. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Fuel of Fire by Ellen Thornycroft Fowler. Chapter Ten. Mrs. Candy's Holiday. With mine own people, I awhile must dwell if only to find out if they are well and hear the things which they alone can tell i'm just thinkin sir as i should like a holiday mrs candy said to laurence the next time he was up at the hall i was sayin to her leddyship he ship only t'other day that it was many a long year since i'd had a sight o oh, my own people and though your own people may try you sore when they're with you there's no doubt as you want to see em now and then just as chamomile tea is as bitter as bitter when you are drinkin it and yet you can't get on without a dose of it from time to time i suppose not so i says to her leddyship, says i i'm wantin to go back to norfolk for a spell i says and she says to me why don't you ask mr baxendale for a holiday says she i'm sure as he'd give it you this beautiful summer weather and candy he says as her ladyship had right on her side to his thinkin so i've made bold to ask if i may go away for a bit Lawrence could not help wishing that his mother had not furthered the evacuation of the hall so soon after her unpleasant suggestion to him but he immediately put away the thought as an insult to lady alicia and said quite agreeably of course i shall be glad to give you a holiday mrs candy if you wish it but how will candy manage to get on without you he won't manage sir bless you candy couldn't get along without me to look after him and slave for him and wash his clothes and listen to his grumblings no not if it was ever so he's a good husband is candy but her leddyship says as maybe you'd give him a holiday too and we thought as it would be a good time to go to overstrand and see as the family grave is in good order ready for me when it's my turn to lie within it Explained mrs candy cheerfully a strange fashion of spending a holiday but people must enjoy themselves in their own way i presume and there'd not only be the pleasure of puttin the grave in good order, sir but my niece Maria jane she's just had twins she has poor soul twins like misfortunes never comin singly as they say and what time i had to spare from weedin in the churchyard i could be looking after maria jane and the twins oh there'd be plenty to pass the time mr baxendale so that candy and me need never have a dull minute i see and candy would take a few cuttins of different sorts of flowers to plant on the grave so as to make it look more cheerful like when my time comes he said if i'd no objection he'd like to try a bit o carpet gardenin on it carpet gardenin bein so handy and lookin well nearly all the year round and you'll want it all the year round he says with a laugh it ain't only a summer residence says he as pert as pert oh he's one for his joke is candy you already seem to have provided yourselves with a full and interesting programme remarked lawrence well you see sir that's the beauty a-goin among yer own people there's always something to do and to talk about be it christenins or funerals and i do say as next to a death there's nothing like a birth for cheerin a family up a bit i suppose not that's the worst o bein but a stranger and a sojourner as you may say as i have been iver since i left norfolk folks die and folks are buried all the world over but i denies you iver enjoys findin fault as to how they have left their bit o money as much as you do when it's your own flesh and blood as is to blame that is true mrs candy and laurence laughed now there was my uncle Willum, him as I've so often told you about. Bless you, sir. We never got tired of talking of his bit o' money, and how unfairly he'd left it niver, if ever we'd a family party, Uncle Willum's bit o' money ud come up, sure as fate. And then there'd be plenty to talk about. Never fear, however late it might be afore the party broke up afore his death we talk of how he ought to leave it no two bein of one mind on the subject which kept the ball a-rollin and gave the men somethin pleasant and interestin to argify about and after his death we'd all abuse him for the way he had left it and that was more pleasant if less excitin oh i'm sure i dunno what we should have found to talk about many a time if it hadn't been for uncle willem and his bit o money lawrence sighed. money or the want of it certainly does seem to be the root of most evils at least if one is to judge from history oh don't you worry yourself over history mr baxendale said mrs candy in a soothing voice candy's no opinion of history hasn't candy and he's no patience wid learnin' children about it at school what's the good o learnin' them all about past and gone kings and queens he says they're dead and buried and let em lay says he that's what candy thinks about history and candy's better half nodded her head triumphantly at this unanswerable refutation of the testimony of all living or dead historians i didn't know that candy was such an authority on education mrs candy fairly bridled he is though and on most things else there ain't much in this warld as candy hasn't got the bottom of i can tell you that sir and he don't hold wi schools candy don't never haven't had much school in his self a most natural disapprobation murmured laurence and he don't hold wi scholars neither i remember in the late mr baxendale's time candy got a new gardener's boy which was a perfect scholar, how does the new boy get on, Candy says the late Mr. Baxendale, get on, sir, says candy, why he don't get on at all? He don't know nothin a nothin and how should he, sir? He haven't been at school all his life? Oh, he isn't one for much schoolin isn't candy, obviously not. He says it's all very well for the gentry as haven't got nothin' to do but to turn their heads into pottin sheds and rubbish heaps, but they has as got their own livin' to get, can't afford to waste their time over such stuff as book learnin'. Lawrence smiled. I'm afraid then that candy doesn't share my late grandfather's weakness for books, as shown in the library upstairs. Not he, sir. You don't find any nonsense of that sort about candy and he says if he had been in your place begging your pardon sir he'd soon have sold all that waste paper upstairs for wood he could get for it grandfather's will or no grandfather's will but you see my grandfather's will made it not only impossible for me to sell his library but also obliged me to preserve it at great expense well it's a good thing as your grandfather's will has you to deal with sir instead of candy for candy would ha stood a no nonsense of that kind he'd ha sold a whole bag of tricks for what he could get for it that he would if all the grandfathers in christendom had tried to stop him and all the grandmothers too then i'm afraid the law would have stepped in and prevented him oh he don't hold with the law any more than he do with schoolin', don't candy he says as the law is all very well for poachers and criminals and the like of them but that it hasn't no right to come interferin wi honest men and if it iver dares to interfere with him he'll soon show it its place says he and so he would i should like to see the law as dare interfere with candy when unst his spirit is a i suppose when you were living in norfolk you sometimes saw the prince of wales on his way to and from sandringham suggested lawrence who always enjoyed drawing mrs candy out but mrs candy seemed to be shocked at the suggestion no no sir i ain't as war'ly as all that though his royal highness did pass through the station of the village where my brother jacob henry lived come and see the prince of wales go through lizzie says jacob henry to me one day when i was a uh, stayin wi no jacob henry says i i'm not so war'ly says i no if it had been abraham with lazarus in his bosom a uh, sittin in a first-class carriage i might a gone i says but not for all the kings o the earth says i will i run half a mile as hard as i can jest on the top o my dinner and no more i would you were most sensible mrs candy not to allow that feeling of loyalty which is so apt to run riot in england to lead you into indigestion just what i thought mr baxendale sir what would the prince of wales and all the crowned heads o europe have cared if my dinner that day had lain on my chest like a lump o lead not they it would have made no difference to them whatsoever but it would have made all the difference to me i can tell you i wouldna hay risk it no not for the emperor of china or the pope of rome by the way mrs candy lawrence said more seriously i suppose you wouldn't go for your holiday by yourself and leave candy to look after the hall laws of mercy mr baxendale what be you a thinkin of why i wouldn't a go on a journey without candy to tell me which way i was a-goin no not if you was to crown me do you think i'm a-going to set up a lot of guards and porters and engine-drivers and such above my own wedded husband and take their word instead of his no sir i trust i knows my duty as a wife better than that you see candy could take your ticket at silverhampton and put you into the train and your own relations could meet you at the other end but mrs candy stood firm no sir i took him for better and for worse and for better and for worse i'll stick to him and if for worse don't mean them horrid screechin railway journeys i'm sure i don't know what it do mean no sir unless candy goes wi me to norfolk to Norfolk i don't go like all truly sensitive people laurence Baxendale could not bear to give pain and the disappointment which his suggestion had called into mrs candy's ruddy countenance was too much for him well then i suppose candy must go too do you know anybody who will come and take care of the hall in your absence well sir it's not for the likes of me to go teachin the gentry and passin my remarks on what they may please to do said mrs candy in the tone of those who are about to do the very thing they deprecate did the apology far be it from me to speak irreverently ever precede anything save the most startling irreverence or the prefatory clause i never repeat malicious gossip ever introduce any item of information which was not in direct opposition to the ninth commandment and mrs candy was but as her fellows and her betters but if you ask my opinion i think as it will do more harm than good to bring strangers into the hall poking their noses into where they've no business and their fingers into where they've less you mean that it would be better to shut the place up altogether for a week or two than to trust any temporary caretakers i do sir you see me and candy has known you from a baby sir and the family afore that and so we've patience with all that nonsense about taking such care o that old rubbish heap upstairs but strangers would have no patience with it how could they seein as waste paper is waste paper all the world over so if they didn't take proper care of all the rummage that this old house contains who could blame em certainly not me nor candy continued the worthy matron feeling that if suspected persons passed successfully the ordeal by candy they were innocent indeed why last week's newspaper ain't no good much less them old books as has been writ ever so much afore last week or the week afore that then you would just lock up the house and leave it i should sir you see nobody has a key to it except you and her leddyship so nobody could get in to do any mischief for there's shutters to all the downstairs windows and you could look in every two or three days to see as all was going all well and there wouldn't be any need of fires this weather to keep the place aired for i'd draw up the blinds to the upstairs windows so as the sun could get in and keep the damp out of them old books and there's no damp to speak of at this time of year if i was you sir i'd rather leave the place empty than have folks runnin all over it as i didn't know there's williamson and his wife at the home farm they would come up and stay here while you and candy were away suggested laurence oh of course mr baxendale you knows your own business best replied mrs candy in a tone of voice which implied that if there was one person on earth who did not know anything at all about mr baxendale's business that person was mr baxendale himself if you can trust mrs williamson you can trust her and that's an end of that oh of course i should be guided by you lawrence hastened to say with culpable weakness but mrs williamson always seems to me to be a tidy woman with plenty of work in her well sir if you think so you think so and if you does believe in her you does mrs candy was evidently of opinion that faith in a myth is better than no faith at all but what is your objection to mrs williamson i hasn't any objection to her sir far from it but i've looked into her house i have and what i've seen i've seen fatima herself could not have spoken more mysteriously of bluebeard's locked-up room than did mrs candy of the interior of the williamsons laurence owned to considerable curiosity but what did you see mrs candy the lady thus urged shook her head and pursed up her lips with the usual firmness to those who have decided not to say a thing and intend to say it at all costs it's not for me to speak evil of my neighbours one with another even if she do sit in her best parlour on a week-day and wear out the albums and the antimacassars in a way as is neither decent nor respectable you must tell me more please mrs candy i really don't quite grasp the full meaning of mrs williamson's behaviour at present mrs candy extenuated nothing nor set down aught in malice you see it's this way sir she began in a calm and judicial voice our best parlour is given up to the sabbath so as sunday shall be different from the days of the week as it ought to be and i hold that to sit in the best parlour on any other day but sunday is nothin more nor less than sabbath breakin why sir i'd as soon think o readin the bible on a weekday as a lookin at the family albums only t'other day candy says to me lizzie he says there's some talk in the papers o openin museums and picture galleries and the like on sundays but i don't hold with it he says if you begin makin sunday as cheerful like as a weekday what'll become of the religion o england he says oh he doesn't hold with sabbath breakin doesn't candy still there are two sides to the question lawrence feebly expostulated as there are to most questions i suppose but such sophistry was not for the like of mrs candy yes sir so there be a right side and a wrong side and you can't have two right sides to anything any more than you can have two right-handed boots or two right-handed breeches Leastways, so candy he says and he's got to the root of most things has candy lawrence knew when he was beaten so held his peace you see sir mrs candy reverted to her former subject candy and me would be back from our holiday in a fortnight at most that would give us plenty of time to neaten the grave up and to give a start to maria jane's twins and there couldn't much harm come to the hall in that time particularly at this season of the year when there's no fires needed and considerin as no one has a key to it save her leddyship and yourself laurence nodded he did not think it necessary to mention before mrs candy those keys which he had lent to nancy burton that he felt was his business not mrs candy's nor another's very well mrs candy he said rising to take his leave you and your husband shall have your holiday at once and i'll make a point of coming up to the hall every two or three days to see that all is going on right in your absence so it was arranged that mrs candy should go to sojourn among her own people for a fortnight and that mr candy should accompany his better half in the train for fear she should fall out by the way on his way home from baxendale hall by the lanes lawrence caught sight of a blue-robed figure it was one of nancy's whims always to wear blue in the distance and he accordingly quickened his steps until he overtook it now it is an extremely interesting fact that if two lovers go to a particular place with the express and sole purpose of meeting each other they are in a mutual agony of fear lest they should miss to the ordinary onlooker the only remarkable thing about this fear is its utter groundlessness in any other walk of life if a went to a place at a time when he knew b was bound to be there he would conclude for a certainty that he would meet b would suffer no further doubts upon the question if he knew moreover that b was going to that place for the especial purpose of meeting him his doubts as to their eventually seeing each other face to face would be still more completely set at rest but not so with lovers oh dear me no he knows and she knows with a certainty which no mere friendly or business-like relation would justify that the object of meeting each other is the sole consideration which for the time being guides their respective steps nevertheless they are both tortured with agonizing doubts as to whether in a space probably of some dozen yards or so totally uninhabited save by their two selves they shall succeed in catching sight of each other and whether having so caught sight they shall succeed in exchanging those few words which are as daily bread to their starving hearts it never seems to occur to them that nothing short of a miracle could keep them apart in the circumstances nor to wonder why the natural laws which govern the universe are likely to be suspended for their special discomfiture if they go to the same place at the same hour they are bound to meet unless gravitation be nothing but a passing wind or the shadow on the dial be as liable to be turned back as it was in the reign of hezekiah any one in his senses would understand as much as that but who is in love and in his senses at the same time and if he were who would care to be in love at all love stiffened by sense is as unwholesome as cream tinctured with boracic acid and both are the signs and the product of an over-civilized state of society as no natural law was suspended and no miracle wrought in order to keep them apart lawrence and nancy met each other in the lanes on that particular summer afternoon and lawrence after certain immaterial remarks which had no bearing whatsoever on the subject in hand informed nancy of mrs candy's promised holiday enriching the recital by such flowers of the good lady's conversation as he was able to recall i'm glad the dear old soul is going away said nancy when he had finished she'll thoroughly enjoy dosing the twins and weeding the grave and it'll be a splendid occasion for you too oh i forgot i beg your pardon forgot what my darling a promise i once made to you that is the worst of making promises you never can remember them and how can you keep them if you have forgotten their existence do you mean to say you forget promises oh nancy forget them i should just think i do i once promised father never to read a certain book but as i've forgotten the name of the book how on earth can i keep my promise and i once promised nora not to flirt with a particular man but as i've completely forgotten who it was how can i keep that promise either and then you are always making me promise not to repeat things which is very absurd because promising you that I won't tell things doesn't mean that I shan't tell them. It only means that I shall make the people I tell them to promise not to tell you that I've told. Lawrence laughed. Nancy, you really are an incorrigible. I can't help that, and you've made me promise scores and scores of things besides, always to be something and never to be something else, and always to think this and never to think that, and hundreds of other things which for the life of me I can't remember. You naughty, unkind child! Well, that's the truth so if i break my promises to you don't be touchy and think it was rudeness on my part if i remember them i'll keep them fast enough but i'm sure not to so there's an end of it when laurence baxendale arrived at poplar farm having parted with nancy at the iron gate which barred the field-path at wayside he explained to his mother as briefly as he could the arrangement he had made with mrs candy he hated having to mention the subject to lady alicia and he hated himself for hating it but it never occurred to him to regret having spoken of the matter to nancy burton chapter ten